gas in the oven now While she rocks in kids and tube socks But she doesn't know miles to Chicago. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Are you making the talking? The light is weird on your head. It makes you look like you're in a DJ booth, either on the radio or at a strip club. I'm not sure which. Show, hey, welcome to the stage, Tiffany. Working hard for your money. Please put your hands together. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was the Buddy Holly and the Crickets. Uh, coming up, we've got some Lost Lobos uh, playing homage to the Immortal Daily Music Guide. Los Lobos. Who's the other guy? There was Richie Valens, Buddy Holly. The Big Bopper. The Big Bopper. That's what it was. Chantilly lace and a pretty face. Crashing plane. Killing me now. Is that the only thing that dude ever did? Um, I'm sure he did other stuff, but I defy you to name something off the top of your head without Googling it. I'm going to Google it. I got to know now. Well, you can know. I'm just saying it's not going to be famous enough for you to be like, be like, oh, instant recall. Big Bopper. He also did, you know, you Chantilly. Watch Gentilly Fringe. No, you watch. He, he wrote the um, birthday song. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. No. You say it's your birthday. We're going to have a good time. No. It was Giles Perry Richardson Jr. Well, everybody has a name. J.P. Richardson Jr. Known as the Big Bopper, American musician, songwriter, and disc jockey whose rockabilly look, style, voice, and exuberant personality made him an early rock and roll star. Um, hmm. Bopping it big. He was a big bopper. They say how tall he was or how much he weighed? He. Um, how much did the Big Bopper weigh? Let's see. How did the big buffer get his name? He was a DJ. Oh, well, you know. He saw a college students doing a dance called the Bop, and he decided to call himself the Big Bopper. Oh, he gave it to himself. The radio show went from 3 to 6 p.m. You can rock and you can roll it. You can hop it. You can hold it. At the Bop, 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 Bop. In 1957, he broke the record for continuous on-air broadcasting by eight minutes. He performed for a total of five days, two hours, and eight minutes from a remote setup in the lobby of the Jefferson Theater in downtown Beaumont, playing 1,821 records and taking showers during five-minute newscasts. <laughs> He's credited for creating the first music video in 1958 and recorded an early example himself. Well, that's something. Um, like, I'm trying to see. Dude, I don't think he did anything else. Like, I don't think he was a huge loss. 
He did Chantilly Lace, which you may know from movies set in the 50s, but like <laughs> he was not a loss. Buddy Holly, I don't know, kind of like the dude had promise. But well, yeah. I mean, it's undeniable. Like, I mean, people know who Buddy Holly is. I mean, Weezer made a song about glasses. Him. Like, Gary fucking Busey was in a movie about him. Yeah, but not not that I saw. I mean, I saw it. I mean, I think I saw it. Maybe I saw part of it. Maybe I just tuned in at the beginning, in the middle, and uh, I was like, okay, when's the fucking plane crash? Um, but like, you know, he's a figure. He's. I mean, like, it's it's an it's less arguable. It's more arguable to say like, what was this person's contribution to culture as opposed to say like, do people is he notable? Is he noteworthy? Like a lot of people would say that yes, Buddy Holly's noteworthy because he's like he's made music that people know. He's been covered several times. You know, people pay homage to him. Whether or not life on this planet would be significantly different if he were were here or not, that's a different question. Name me but two like, Buddy Holly songs. Um, Peggy Sue, and that'll be the day that I die. Name me three. No, no, you already that, you already made me prove my point. <laughs> hey James. Hey Nick. James. Hey Nick. James. Nick. Welcome to Dork. Welcome to Dork. I'm Nick Moore. I'm James Brown. I'm Nick Moore. You're listening to Dork episode 191. Hey. Uh, the rock and roll episode. <laughs> rock and roll is here to stay. Rock and roll. So, yeah, apparently I'm known around uh, my office as the person who bursts in the song. So, it's. Well, you're known on this podcast as the person who bursts in the song. Yeah. I was reflecting on that because I was talking to somebody and, um, like, I, I don't remember being known as that kind of person when I was in college or high school. Like, I think I've become more musically random in the head as I've aged. I think it's a sign of dementia, James. Yeah, well, I'm enjoying it, so fuck it. Woo! <laughs> a lot of people Woo. suffer from insanity, but I enjoy every minute. Um, Woo! Woo! <laughs> but yeah. yeah so i'm gonna finish this bloody mary this time oh you know i you you like caught me like right as i was coming into the house and so i like set up really quick so i didn't get a chance to pour myself a bloody mary although now that i think about it i don't think i have any bloody mary mix left oh so i have to go out and get some of that no i did i bought some the other day shit i could have made one this is really exciting we could pause the podcast and i could go make one yeah i would i would like take my computer out there um into the kitchen so you could like watch me make it but jane is on a phone call out there and she would not really appreciate it because she's talking to some person that she's trying to get to you know employ her at some future date or to continue no she's on a contract with this person she's if it's the person i think it is but anyway so it's somebody she doesn't want like some random bastard pouring a weird mix of drink in the background on her phone call yeah i'm fine how are you great i tell you what uh, you go get a drink, and I will keep the people entertained. <laughs> oh, this sounds like a recipe for embarrassment. Yeah. So go do that. Oh, we're doing good. And let's talk about Jesus one time. Um, you say Jesus. Oh, you should go make a drink. I'll be black. Yeah. Okay, so apparently, um, over the weekend, somebody stole a shark 
from an aquarium in San Antonio. I'm just not finding out about this. Um, what I read, or what I think I read, uh, was that they, it was like, I, I'm surmising it is one of those sharks from one of the petting pools, because how it's, I mean, I don't think they dove into a, they dove into one of the big tanks and like oh, absconded with a, a shark. So it makes sense that it was like one of the ones from the little petting pools. Uh, they got it out disguised as a baby. Again, I'm still on, like, I'm, and all this sounds like bullshit, but no, it really happened. Uh, it has been rescued. So you can relax. Now I've got to look and see where the hell this shark, let's see, shark stolen. That's all it takes. Let's see, they stole a shark. Here we go. New York Times. They stole a shark in a baby stroller and briefly got away with it. Um, Miss Helen, a horned shark stolen from the San Antonio Aquarium, was returned after the police found her in a private home. It is a 16-inch long horned shark. And it was in the uh, touch tank. So there you go. Three people lifted the shark out of the tank and plopped her into a baby stroller. What the hell? Um, let's see. La la. They removed her from her 76 degree tank and placed into 52 degree water, which they thought would shock her system, but no, she survived. Uh, less than a year old, and apparently they took good care of her. Uh, let's see. The aquarium employees uh, were correct in their suspicions that the person was good at taking care of sharks. The thieves were also skilled at reconnaissance, and officials said she recognized one of them from a month earlier when he said he worked at the facility's salt supplier and got an all-access tour. So, let's see. <laughs> on Saturday, just after Miss Helen's disappearance, an aquarium manager caught up to the trio in the parking lot. They refused to allow an inspection of their truck or the baby stroller and drove off, said Amon Covino, the aquarium's chief operating officer. No matter, surveillance footage recorded the license plate number and an image of the getaway truck was all over local media. Tips poured into the police, who tracked down the truck mo uh, Monday morning, according to Joseph Salvaggio, chief of the Leon Valley Police Department. Here's video of them stealing a shark. Uh, the police arrived at a home near where the car was found and were preparing a warrant when a man arrived and let the officer into the home. They quickly found Miss Helen. Hard to miss the giant pool inside the house filled with sharks and other marine animals. It looked like almost a mock-up of the aquarium, he said on Monday. Luckily, the thief was someone who knew what he was doing. The man, 38, tried to show a receipt for the same type of shark, but it was obviously doctored. Chief Salvaggio said. On Monday night, the man confessed to taking Miss Helen and a neighbor confessed to helping. The two men who were not identified were charged with theft. Officers expected to speak to the third person, a woman, on Tuesday. The local police are working with federal officials to determine if federal charges might be warranted since transporting some animals requires permits. I would think you need a permit to transmit it, to transport a, a large, a, uh, a shark, a live shark. But then again, it's little. It's not a huge shark. It's not Jaws fuck's sake let's see the aquarium staff arrived at the house on monday and took miss helen back to the aquarium where she began her process of reacclimating in a quarantine pool in a container roughly the size of a laundry tub she wiggled in front of news cameras 
If not for the fast action of aquarium employees, it could have been a much darker story, Mr. Gavino said. The thieves found a bucket of bleach cleaning solution used for sterilizing tools and dumped it out into a filtration system before apparently using it to gather water for the shark. The bleach could have killed hundreds of animals, including seahorses, jellyfish, and a starfish, but the staff used other chemicals to restore the water quickly and eliminate the threat. Way to go. We showed him every single back room, room Mr. Gavino, so we basically gave him a behind-the-scenes tour. That access, Mr. Gavino believes, allowed the thief to find the secluded back room where he emptied the bucket. In a part of the aquarium, most guests would never see. She's a tough little shornhawk, I'll tell you that, Jamie Shank, the aquarium assistant director of husbandry, told reporters on Monday. I'm really proud of her. She did so damn much. That shark. You know, I'm pretty sure you can pick up these sharks at most aquarium stores. I'm looking at it. It's a little shark. A little tiny, little teeny tiny shark. Hey, James is back. I've always been black. Did you, James, did you hear about the shark that got stolen from the San Antonio Aquarium? I did not. Have you been rejoicing or regaling our um, listeners with that story? Well, I was reading it uh, from the New York Times. Uh, so apparently, I'll go over it with you. Uh, Have you wait? You were just reading it to yourself? No, I was reading it out loud. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so apparently, uh, a guy went into the San Antonio Aquarium. Like you do. You do. And he told him he worked for their salt supplier. The guy that supplied their aquarium salt. And they gave right. him an all-access pass. Like, he took him behind the scenes and showed him the filtration systems and all this shit. And so he used that opportunity to find out where a bucket was kept and he came back with some friends grabbed that bucket from the room uh dumped the stuff out of it and then scooped a shark into it and then put bucket the shark in the bucket into a baby carriage which they wheeled out they covered it and wheeled it out and they stole the shark there's a horned shark it's about 16 inches long okay and that's they, not a big shark is it, was it the two-horn shark? Was it? It was in. It was in the. Uh, Is that full uh, grown for that type of shark? I'm sure it'd get a little bigger. Why are you sure? I mean, it's kind of limited by the size of the tank, like a lot of fish. Yeah, I'm just you know, I don't know if like I mean because like great white sharks can be like 20 feet long, while mako sharks are like you know eight feet long or something. I didn't know if like the horn shark was you know standard 16 inches, 24 inches. Or if it was like, you know, like it just got born or hatched, whatever sharks are done. And it was like one day be 12 feet long. So anyway, what happened after that? Did he just, is, is the shark still at large? It grows about 71 inches. Okay, so that's like f uh, six feet almost. No, they found it the, um, because they, the aquarium staff like saw these people walking out. And like, hey, I think that dude took a fucking shark. Well, good for them. Um, well, no, they chased him out to the parking lot. I'm like, hey, let me look in your, let your, me look at your uh, baby your car or your, in your carriage. You're like, no, and they drove off. Oh, but the guy got the license plate and he called the fucking the police. He was like, hey, police, they stole a shark. And so the police went to their house, and in the middle of the um, in the house was a pool. That was full of sharks. Oh, and a little like reef going on in there. 
And the guy's like, look, no, I bought that shark. Look, here's a receipt. And it was not a real receipt. It was fake. And the guy's like, ah, you're full of beans. And then the guy said, yeah, you got me. I stole the shark. Hmm. And my neighbor helped. And so. Shake <laughs> <laughs> and bake. And there's one other lady that, that uh, helped him, but they haven't spoken to her yet. I think they talked to her today. So there you go. All that happened. They got him. They cark does does he have a nickname? Is he like the shark guy? Or no, it's probably like Bob. Mickey Finster. No, he stole a shark from like a petting aquarium, which is gross enough. Yeah. Like that's the that's the community dildo right there. Everybody's touched it. And it's slimy. Mm. I don't think that's a thing. I hope it's not a thing. What you people using sharks as dildos? Oh no, that happened. <laughs> um, in fact, there's a Led Zeppelin story about that. Say, dude, I like the way you're feeling. Gonna stick it up. Gonna stick it in. It was, it was a mud shark. It's a mud shark. They were staying at a hotel where they could fish off the balcony, and like they had this groupie, and like they pleasured her with a freshly caught mud shark. Well, that's disgusting. Yeah. But it's one of those rock and roll stories. Yeah, it's like throwing the TV out the window. Like, people just expect you to do shit like that. Yeah, or putting a Rolls Royce into the pool. Yeah. You expect it. That's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of weight on you. I forgot which group it was, but there was some rock and roll, you know, you know, that had the reputation of trashing hotel rooms. And they tried to throw the TV out of the window, but it was still attached to the cord and I guess like the cable cord, maybe not the power cord, but whatever it was, it was like it did not rip from the wall. And so the T they threw it out the window, but it was like dangling at the edge of the cord. So it was like, you know, hanging down a story or two outside. That sounds like the who. We'll go with that. Let's see. Yeah, Keith Moon. He loved destroying hotel rooms, especially blowing up toilets. Nine Inch Nails are pretty good at destroying green rooms. I, yeah. don't, I doubt I doubt they still do because you know they're older. But um, the fuck. There's a whole list of people who like fucked up rooms. I don't know why. I don't know why that's a thing still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess you get bored. I mean, it comes down to boredom. Or you're doing a lot of drugs, so you do a lot of stupid things. Uh, Courtney Love reportedly trashed her room at the Inn on Irving Place in New York in June 2009. Sources told the New York Post that the rocker left dirty needles and used feminine hygiene products behind and also flooded the floor at the hotel while visiting New York with daughter Frances Bean. Only $5,000 worth of damage, though. Yeah. I guess drugs would explain a lot of it. Uh, yeah. And a lot of these people are also notorious drug fiends. Like yeah. Amy okay. Winehouse. Amy Winehouse reportedly hurled a plate of spaghetti bolognese at the wall of her hotel room in Munich, Germany in 2007 and allegedly racked up $18,000 worth of damage to her room at the Sanderson Hotel in London two months earlier after a fight with then-husband Blake Fielder Civil. 
She also reportedly caused $6,000 worth of damage at London's Rivington Plaza Hotel in 2008, allegedly littering the floor with cigarette butts and champagne bottles and staining the tub with black hair dye. So there you go. Amy Winehouse dyed her hair. Really? That Eben Buffont was not real? Oh. Or not really that color? Or not, you know, was falsified? Steven Tyler and Aerosmith bandmates reportedly used to bring a chainsaw on tour so they could use it on hotel room furniture and extension cords so they could drop TVs into swimming pools. Oh, that's that's the hell of forethought. You know, there's no that's not spontaneous. Like, all right, let's do some shit. They're just like, all right, we're bringing an extension cord so we can plug the TV in and still have it going to well, so it'll still be plugged in when it reaches the swimming pool. Yeah, uh, the Who's guitarist Keith Moon. In 1967, celebrated his 21st birthday at the Holiday Inn in Flint, Michigan. Oh, he hey. Drove a Lincoln Continental into the hotel pool, blew up a toilet in his room, and started a cake fight. Aha. Uh -huh. The band was reportedly banned from all Holiday Inns. The band was banned? Indeed. They are a band band? Uh... 1998, shock rocker Marilyn Manson trashed his dressing room and destroyed his band's hotel rooms in Poughkeepsie, New York. After playing a show at the Poughkeepsie Civic Center, the band reportedly destroyed four rooms in the Poughkeepsie Sheraton, burning carpets and staining sinks with hair dye. All these people in their hair dye. I mean, I understand that Marilyn Manson and his group would like, you know, they're the type of people that would dye their hair, but still, you should be responsible about that shit. Or like bring people to bring their own people to clean it up. Hey, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got disconnected. Oh, was I still talking then? I, I guess. Did you hear me talking about people um, bringing their own people to clean up everything? No, I didn't. Okay, well, maybe that'll be there. Maybe it won't. No, it should be because it the the hangout was still live. All right. Somehow I got disconnected from it, and then they don't like you. Yeah. We can't turn my okay. I can't turn my camera on. Okay, just making sure I can do that. Da 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 da. All right. Why do I always do this shit in Poughkeepsie? Oh. Okay, talk for a second. I really have to finish this. Bloody the, Mary this week. The Bloody Mary. Yeah, I, I'm not going to finish it, but I have to like at least put a little work in. Did you do it? Is it a double size one? Is that part of your problem? Maybe you should. Yeah. Like well, no. And it's all. That's just a regular size. That's a James size. Okay. Well. You're a giant ogre. <laughs> and so I've got to get it. I got to make it uh, in your. I'm making it in your honor. So it's got to be like the right size, you know. Yes. La la la. So yeah. Chirping crickets. Um. Apparently, Keithman was very very prolific in his messing up shit. Where'd my website go? Um, exploding drum kits of shit on the gong show? Where is it? The trouser test. Um, What's the trouser test? <laughs> uh, in the fall of 1969, Moon teamed up with Legs Larry Smith on the Bonzo Dog Doo Band to pull a twisted practical joke on venerable British retailer Marks and Spencer. Smith entered the store's trouser department and asked to be shown their most durable work trousers, and then, having examined the pair, Smith expressed concern that they might not be strong enough for his purposes, whereupon Moon entered the shop and cheerily offered to help them test them. 
Each taking a leg, the two men proceeded to completely tear the trousers in half, causing the freaked out staff to call the store detective. Then, right as Smith and Moon were about to be led away by the authorities, their limo driver appeared on the scene. Are those one-legged trousers? He asked. They're just what I've been looking for. He paid for the trousers and everyone calmed down. Smith later told Moon biographer Tony Fletcher, and we asked for each leg to be wrapped separately. I've been looking for some one-legged trousers. Apparently, Keith Moon was a practical joker. That's just a pant, then. Yes, not a pair of pants, but a pant. Whose call wow. was that? Whose call? Now I'm looking up pants. <laughs> like, why, why are they called pants? Pantaloons, I guess, but why is it a pair of pants? Because you have a pair of legs, I guess. So the pant part is really just, it doesn't cover, it's not talking about the part that covers the pelvis. It refers only to the part that covers the legs. Yeah. My theory? I don't know. Although your legs do include your hips, so. Like everything except for the crotch is what the pants is named after. Hey, do you want to guess where the oldest known trousers are found? Um, France. Yeah? I don't know. No. China. <laughs> no. Turpan Jiangjing, Western okay. China, dated okay. the period between the 13th and 10th centuries BC. No. Straight leg, wide crotch. Like, okay, so. They were made for horseback riding. China invented pants. Mm hmm. Um,. Uh, gunpowder and therefore fireworks and paper fortune cookies mm. I thought fortune cookies were one of those things that was invented by a Chinese person in America general so's chicken yeah um, oh I had another one that was pasta they invented pasta as well um, like saying eight. asshole in front eight. of everything yes <laughs> Yes, um, number one son. Um, Kung Fu. Kung Fu, yes. Chinese chicken. Everything's good as finger licking. Sideways vaginas. Right, that's their thing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Sorry, just imagining somebody <laughs> So, like, we, the channel we leave the, for the dogs. Uh, when we go, <laughs> the channel we leave on TV for the dogs. Is cozy, C O Z I, and it's just like old TV. Like it's nothing that will excite them. You know, I don't like leaving on LPB because it switches to the news during the day, and I hate coming home and having, you know, uh, BBC News uh, World Report on, and it's showing like people getting exploded in Afghanistan. It messes with their psyche. So we put it on cozy. I get home, and uh, Little House on the Prairie is playing. So yesterday uh -huh. when I get home, Little House on the Prairie is on, and Paul is working for the railroad because he uh -huh. needed money because one of the kids was sick or something. And so they're working with a bunch of Chinese guys. And they are like... You mean, do you mean Chinamen? Chinamen. Yeah, that's right what they refer to in there. But of course, it's Little House of the Prairie, so it's all about how like they're human too. Look at them. Well, that's, that's probably what the writers would put in there to be like, okay, let's, let's treat them a little bit more you know, human. Because Laura Ingalls herself was uh, not known for being all not racist. I remember they were talking about like celebrating like, you know, the history of um, 
little house and all that type of stuff. But like, if you look at the original books, like there's a lot of stuff in there that's very much not celebrating other cultures. For example, they, you know, she refers to the area they're living in. It's like, there were no people here, only Indians. Okay. <laughs> Dude, so today, you know, well, I, I mentioned the, the Chinese thing because Carol, I, I was doing like this crazy, like redneck accent. It's like, we're working with the Chinese. They just like us, except their women got them sideways vaginas. <laughs> and Carol's like, no, don't correct them. They'll leave them alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're sideways and full of teeth. You stay far away, Guaylo. But the one that was on today, okay, so Laura goes out to the barn, and I don't watch Little House of the Prey. I don't like the show. It's stupid. The dogs love it. <laughs> but I've so caught another. Like, I get, one today. Dude, I get home, and you know, I got to feed the dogs, let everybody out, and I have to watch them eat or else they won't eat. They'll just you know run around trying to steal each other's food, so I have to stand over them. Little House of the Prey is on. The one today, Laura... Goes out to the barn, and in the barn is Willis from uh, different, different strokes. strokes. Todd yes. Bridges. Yes, but he's like six. Oh wow! Yeah, and he is this kid who Laura caught in their barn stealing eggs. And so, yeah, anyway, Paul, he's like, "Don't tell your dad. He's gonna yell at me, and he's gonna hit me." And the deck and something goes, I thought I heard somebody talking out here. Now, why would I hit you? Because he was stealing eggs, Pa. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, well, he probably want a glass of milk then, wouldn't he? And so he gives him milk. And so Todd Bridges, as this uh, little southern black child who has escaped to where, like, there in Wisconsin or some shit. Um, oh, where is it? Oh, I used to know this. It's like, in, no, it's for the west of that, for the west of Indiana. But. He offers to let uh, the, uh, what are their fucking names? The Ingles. Yeah. He's like, you could buy me at a real good price. I, I won't charge you too much. I'd like to stay here. And Paul's like, uh, well, that's not really a thing anymore. But like later, he's in bed with his wife and he's like, ah, that kid's something else. <laughs> I said I could buy him. That crazy kid. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to the rest of it. I don't know. He, he, his uh, uncle came and got him or something. But he said this whole family was dead. Uh, and he lived in a cave. Oh. All, of it, all of it turned to be a, a lie because he was running from his uncle. Ah. He, uh, yeah, it was in Minnesota. That's where it's fucking set. Minnesota. Minnesota. Why would you live in Minnesota back then? I don't know. Because it's cold. It gets cold and shitty for a long time. Like you think you'd settle in like the middle part of the country where it doesn't get too like that's the only reason people ever stayed in the south because you could grow all year round uh, and you don't have to worry about freezing to death. You know it's hot as hell, but when you don't have a store, that's a plus. This is true. Plus, you know, there's like the Gulf is there and the Mississippi River and there's all kinds of shit to eat in that. I'm glad our camera's not on right now. I just got Lady Mary all over my fucking mustache. Oh, no, I'm fine. <laughs> That's gross, James. Uh, there are grosser things. There are definitely grosser things. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like um, surgically removing somebody's toenail. God damn you, fuck stain, shit stain, fucker. God damn it. <laughs> James, what do you do again? I mean, what do I do? Your job. What's your job title? I'm a program manager for the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. There you go. Well, no, I was, I was, um, I had a phone interview for this, oh, yeah. for this job yesterday, and they were asking me about the podcast. I'm like, what is the guy you do it with? What is it? What is his story? And I was like, um, <laughs> he's like a drug dealer. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I couldn't, I knew I there was black, a title. Probably, he's black, so he probably deals drugs. I don't know. Yeah. He's a colored yeah. fella. He's a colored fella. He's, he fences still like that. Yeah. He's a tall drink of water. He works out in the fields. He does. He got himself a white woman. <laughs> like, what? Let's go get him. <laughs> I have really have an opportunity to fuck up this interview. I got the call back today for the face-to-face -face with oh, the cool. system director Friday. And then after that, there's going to be another face-to-face -face with the team. So we'll see, but... Yeah, this would be the one for them to pop in on. Episode 191. Oh, well, let's take a look at his podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> no. None of that. He swore and referred to his co-host as a colored fella. <laughs> oh. I don't understand the problem. He, he is? I mean, I, I am colored, yes. I, I am mean, colored. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, I, I am colored. I have I have over ninety seven parts per billion melanin in my skin. So, <laughs> <laughs> good on you, young man. Yes, yes. If you want, if you want to examine me with a gas chromatograph or a laser spectrometer, <laughs> you will see that I am in fact imbued with more color. <laughs> I tell you what. Why don't we go down to the local Home Depot and we can pull out some paint? Uh, samples <laughs> and see exactly what I'd be de uh, what I'd be declared as. Carol and I actually went to Home Depot uh, Saturday to look at paint because she wants <laughs> metallic paint to make our house look like Dita Vontis' house. Whatever mm. she wants to paint it, I don't care. Yeah, paint is there to protect the wood. I don't care what color it is. That's my opinion. Like just as long as she's happy, I don't care. So anyway, we're there and we're like looking for metallic paint because we know they have it, but they don't have. We're not seeing any of the books. And there's a dude at the counter who's got one. And she's like, oh, he's looking at one. And I was like, pardon me, sir. Uh, what are you what are you looking at? And this guy looked like if Master P was 100 pounds heavier. Like teeth oh, and all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got into a discussion of uh, using metallic accent walls. Uh Spurred on by him. And Carol spent a good 20 minutes talking about paint with him. Like <laughs> He's like, yes, well, see, I've already got this pink in there. And so I'm going to do one of these green walls. Because uh, I like the metallic anyway. And I think this green is going to look real nice. It's going to come off as kind of like a, uh, like a copper patina. And I was like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, you never fucking know. You yeah. never fucking know. Like, talk to people. See what the fuck's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> like, then he walked off, and I was like, "Huh?" She's like, "Right? That was awesome." The more you know. 
bah, 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 bah. and because we helped him find his paint, uh, the guy was faster to help us find our paint. Oh. I was like, oh, no, the, the base you're looking for is right by the one we grabbed. Blah, 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 blah. And so we got out of there like a good 20 minutes early. It was a, it was great. It was the bestest, Jabes. It was the bestest. We got paint. I got paint. Shiny. Talk for a second. I got to drink this. Okay. So I've noticed in the uh, Laura Ingalls, what do you call it? The Little House on the Prairie thing that they said that um, one of the episodes was number 97 on the top 100 greatest episodes of all time, according to, I guess it's, oh, it's a Trust TV. Yeah, TV Guide magazine. So like episodes of TV, not of you know. What's it about? Of, I have fucking no idea. I was trying to look at the whole like list to see like oh what you know what particular shows like really like you know hit here and it's interesting like the the broad uh, you know like the diversity of the, some of the titles on the main page the um, they only have like the absolute like top ten. <laughs> um, Episodes of all time? Yeah. So what are they? Um, well, there's two lists. There's a 1997 list and a 2009 list. Um, and some of the 2009 lists include some things that had come out since 1997, looks like. Uh, so in 1997, number 10 was The X-Files, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Number 9 was a Bob Newhart show. Um, yeah, just, I mean, I could tell you like the names of the episodes, but... Um, Number nine, Bob Newhart, Over the River and Through the Woods. Number eight, The Dick Van Dyke Show, Coast to Coast Big Mouth. Number seven, Cheers, Thanksgiving Orphans. Number six, The Honeymooners, The $99,000 Answer. Number five, The Odd Couple, Password. Number four, Seinfeld, The Boyfriend. Number three, ER, Loves, Labor's Lo Loves Labor Lost. Number two, I Love Lucy, Lucy Does a TV Commercial. Oh, <laughs> I actually know that one. And... Um, Number one, the Mary Tyler Moore show, Chuckles Bites the Dust. Well, I know the last two. I think I know the Cheers one, too. I probably know the Cheers one because I was. I, what's funny is like I was just talking about Cheers earlier today. I made a reference to um, that's one guy's opinion, which is when um, Sam gets a job being a, a commentator on the local TV. He like, gets like, a, you know, just extra opinions about sports. Mm -hmm. And you know, one time he's you know doing a thing about astroturf, and he's like, you know, astroturf is you know okay, but I'd rather have real grass. You know, it's pretty to look at, and people don't get hurt as much, and you know, it's just nicer. Um, and then the the other people on the show are like, actually, I heard that. Uh, well, you can't grow real grass in inside domes. And it's like, yeah, in that case, you got to use the fake stuff. And the other person is like, I also heard that it's actually prevents injuries. And he's like, oh, really? I guess I could go either way on it. And that's one guy's opinions, you know. Now, the Thanksgiving but, one, it's after they had the restaurant move in upstairs. Yeah. The, um, what the fuck was that called? The hoity toity guy was there. Yeah, it was a fancy pants restaurant. Yeah. But, like, uh, all the whole Cheers crowd ends up having Thanksgiving together in Cheers because they're alcoholics. Yeah. And uh, he comes downstairs and he sees them all there. And he's like, and all the who's and whoville sat around their roast beast. <laughs> Which is a child I could appreciate. He's like, thanks for tossing that one my way, man. Yeah. You know there's another Grinch movie coming out? Yeah. Um, fucking 
Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch is doing the voice, and that surprised me. I'd heard the voice like several times before. You know, someone said, "Oh, in the Grinch, sorry, Benedict Cumberbatch." I was like, "That's Benedict Cumberbatch." Good job on you, babe. Yeah. Hey, if I can do a flawless American accent as Doctor Stephen Strange, I don't believe I... in chakras, sir. You're fucking ghosts and shit. Uh, dude, I watched Ragnarok again last week. Totally Ragnarok. holds up. I know it holds up for the whole like ten months. It's been yeah, it's, whatever it is. Yeah. still good. Yeah, still so good. good. But um, yeah, Doctor Strange popping up. It's still weird to watch that dude use an American accent. Yeah. Like, like I guess it kind of passes, but like if, if I met him and talked to him for five minutes, I'd be like, I think he had a stroke. <laughs> like, not a big one, but just enough where he had to relearn some words. Oh. I started watching. Um, yeah, go ahead. No, you go. No, I was just remembering the other part of that Cheers thing the, uh, the, when Ted dancing is, or Sam Malone is like on TV and he decides to do a rap. Um, and the last like couple of lines are, you know, you know, if you don't know, then take it from me, a guy who knows what it's like to get a groin injury, a good, good groin, a good, good groin, a good, good groin injury. Anyhow, I watched a lot of cheers. I watched a lot of television growing up. Anyway, go ahead. Well, we started watching the runaways last night. Oh, the Marvel show. Yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah. Um, but sidebar. You you did the '80s rap there. <laughs> last 80s. last Saturday there was a uh, the Beaux Arts Ball at Theater Baton Rouge. Oops, sorry. <laughs> With the Beaux Arts Ball at Theater Baton Rouge, and uh, the theme was dancing through the ages. So you could you could dress formal or you could wear a costume that reflects that theme. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'll wear that. Um, well, like I. I I didn't. I was like, it was hot as balls, right? Mm -hmm. so I had to come up with a dancing costume because I didn't want to fucking wear a tux. So I was like, what do I have in my closet? Carol dressed up like something straight out of Studio Fifty Four, and she pulled it off well. Um, like she found like an old ad for Studio Fifty Four, like one of those like magazine things about a story about it. A super disco chick you know with like yeah that weird gold headdress thing reproduced it perfectly um and i was like well uh i got track pants and high tops and so i dressed up like right out of uh break into electric boogaloo <laughs> like a bandana and everything yeah um very comfy outfit um very nice very nice so yeah, appreciate your dedication to wardrobe. Oh well, no, that's here's the point of it. I'm sorry, okay. I got I got um, distracted by a I got an order for tomorrow. Anyway, blood, Bloody Mary. No, um. So anyway, I'm all dressed up in like, like I, mean, I it was pretty good. Like I had a bandana, and I had like a, a hoodie that said New York, and it was like half zipped, and I had the track pants with the scarlet or the burgundy stripe that matched my uh, Adidas. Um, they had the burgundy. They're white with the burgundy stripe. Like okay. it was, it's okay. tight. The whole outfit looked great. So on the way there, I'm like, I got to get into the mood, right? So I, I pulled up an '80s rap station on Spotify. Hit go, you know, shuffle play, and I'm like, let's do this. '80s rap uh, in the early '80s was kind of weak. Um, 
Like it was very, it's very stilted, not stilted, but it's very like, I'm going to say a line that's going to rhyme here. And I'm going to say a line and it's going to rhyme here. Here. You know? yeah. yeah. Like it was some like heavy D and fat boys and several other groups based, uh, whose names are based upon the weight of their members. Um, <laughs> and it's, yeah, I was just like, wow. Um, okay. There, there we, see, I've been listening to Run the Jewels a lot lately and like Run the Jewels related playlists. And that is very complicated as it far is. as rap goes. And so you go back to the beginning, like when a lot of these rappers started coming out. And like, like you know, take like Rapper's Delight. Yeah. That, even that's more complicated than what followed as everybody hopped into the rap game, as it were. Uh, and the Fat Boys, I'm just befuddled. Well, like, I mean, I think part, a lot of the part of that was like the human beatboxing thing. Yeah. And, you know, I am a fan of, of Disorderlies. It holds up <laughs> as a film. I think it's a classic of American cinema. Dude, I watched that movie so many times as a kid. Because uh, it was one of like three movies that my friend had over at his house on VHS that had boobies in it. Hey, hey. I don't remember the boobies. Maybe I only saw it on TV. It's not a lot. Yeah. But, you know, when you're 10, you're like, yes! No, it's like the first time I saw Airplane. There's boobies in Airplane? There's boobies in Airplane. Yeah, I mean, there's like one like really gratuitous and obvious shot, and then that's it, as far as I remember. Like, you know, there, there's a scene where everybody on the plane is like panicking and panicking, and then like some like... Oh, she's shaking, yes. Yeah, and then yeah. like, that's it. She really comes, she shakes in front of the camera, and then she leaves. Yeah, there was, a, there was a time in American cinema where everything had tits in it. Just gratuitous, pointless tits. Tits for the win. Like, there was no reason for it. Just, here they are, man. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> tits and... Yeah. I mean, if Star Wars had tits... If Star Wars had had tits, then it'd be tits and everything. It would be the greatest movie of all time. Of all time. If Star Wars is not the greatest movie of all time, what is the greatest movie of all time? God damn it. That's a big <laughs> one. Yeah, we don't have to answer that question right now. It was, I, mean, I like, think it's just, very subjective. It, well, obviously. And then, like, you know, we, we were only talking about, like, the subgenre of superhero movies last time. And, you know, we, like, had, like, all these caveats. And, like, if you do it like this, if you don't take any of this, then you go. So, like, the greatest movie of all time, you know, movie experience, the personal enjoyment that you, like, the one that you think is, like, you know, qualitatively the best, um, you know, or like yeah, the like most well like, done. Pressured, like you got to say something like Schindler's List or Amistad or Citizen Kane. Yeah, like some, or you know, some stupid shit that you don't believe in. Yeah, that's garbage. Yeah, it, yeah, that's stupid. I mean, and then other like other people may think like, yeah, okay, well, you know, for me, soundtrack is such an integral part of a movie. Like, yeah. you know, how am I going to pick a movie that I don't like? You know, like think the soundtrack is like one of the greatest on tap. You know, like I was just thinking about John Williams scores and be like, oh, you know, Jaws is like a great thing. Like, it's one of the best soundtracks of all time. Fucking Superman is one of the best soundtracks of all time. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. I mean, and of like which one of the Star Wars? But then, then you go. Uh, what about like Pulp Fiction? Yeah. That's a great fucking soundtrack. It is a great fucking soundtrack. Speaking of which, are you a member of the uh, Are We Watching the Same Movie group on Facebook? Mm, I don't think so. 
Oh, wait. Maybe, yeah. But they do uh, polls every week. Oh, yeah. Uh, where you're like, what's the best, this movie or that movie? Right now, they're doing best Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, actually, I yeah. am. Today's matchup was Pulp Fiction versus Kill Bill. Ooh. It's a tough one. A really tough one, but it's best Quentin Tarantino movie, so I went with Pulp Fiction. Like, oh, Kill Bill is fucking amazing. It's amazing, but like Pulp Fiction is definitive Tarantino. It's the essence of everything that he's done. It defined him as a artist, and you know his style and the way he does shit. I mean, for fuck's sake, it starts with a conversation between two Brits in an LA coffee shop that turns into a robbery. Like they talked themselves into a robbery, and then it switches over to a conversation between two guys about fucking the Big Mac. And Royale oh, yeah. and cheese. Royale cheese, yeah. And then they blow some dudes away in an apartment. Yeah. Tony Rockamore. Some of a fucking foot massage. Tony Rocky Horror. Tony Rocky Horror. Yeah. He fat. What's the motherfucker gonna do? He's Samoan. Let's say he's big. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Sorry, Look, I'm of... giving a million women a million foot massages. And they all meant something. I know it. You know it. Fucking Tony Rocky Horror should have known it. <laughs> you for rubs? You for rubs? Yeah, I'm the foot fucking I, master. I'll be tickling to nothing. Yeah, you give me a rub? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. Did you give your mother a foot rub? <laughs> oh, my feet are kind of sore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. See, but that again, that proves it. Bam, best Tarantino <laughs> movie. You can't start talking about it without immediately doing dialogue. Yeah. I talk about Kill Bill 1 and 2 for hours without getting into dialogue. But it's because it's a stylized fucking kung fu shit. Yeah. And also, you know, it's like the first thing, the, you know, Quentin Tarantino, the Pulp Fiction is like the first one like that. You know, like there's other movies that came after it that are kind of like that or have elements of that. But like the first, you're always going to remember the first of everything. Yeah. Like, like uh, Star Wars was like the first movie that did effects that way and like took all this other shit seriously and had such you know integrated sound design that everybody like can make the if you make the fucking Tie Fighter sound you know if you say Tie Fighter sound people know exactly what you're talking about. You know, yeah. Like, there's just so much that was done first in that movie that like it's hard to like step away from it and be like this is the you know the apex of this particular you know style of cinema or this particular form of art. It's you can't you can't like separate that you know like even if even if there was a movie that came out the very next year that did everything that Star Wars did just a little bit better quantitatively you would say like oh that's a better movie but like nobody's going to remember it as much because it wasn't the first to do that you know and if you count originality as part of the thing that makes a movie great and like you know Star Wars has all these things that are original but when it comes to story when it comes to a lot of elements of it you know a lot of them were ripped off from like fucking Hidden Fortress or like other like samurai stories or like uh, goddamn Joseph Campbell, you know? But, you know, who's to say that we're, I mean, it's the, that's the thing. Like nobody is to say definitively, this is what counts as, you know, being the best movie of all time, unless you're, you know, the president of the American film Institute, in which case your answer is, Oh, so it's of a nation. <laughs> I will fucking kill you. It's not my answer, James. <laughs> It's just very important in the history of film cinematography. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'll just think that maybe we should 
you know, give notice to the historical field. Hey, James, I finished my Bloody Mary. Hurrah, hurrah. You didn't just pour it out, did you? I poured it out into my mouth. <laughs> yama, 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 yama. Yama means mountain in Japanese. Thanks, dude. Um, <laughs> Thanks a lot, Mr. Brown. I finished it. And with that, I'm Nick Moore. I am James Brown. I'm Nick Moore. You have been dorked. And apparently at some point we're going to have an episode about the greatest movie of all time. Maybe we should go genre by genre. Mm. Actually, we should go genre by genre and have the answer always be a Pixar movie. <laughs> the best Western of all time. Fucking Toy Story, obviously. Oh, I was going to go with uh, Cars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that'll be yeah. our argument for next time. <laughs> next week, uh, best movie set in a midget-filled magic land with a golden brick road in it. If you're thinking Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, you are right. Yeah. We don't need another hero. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Later, James. <laughs>